Hey girls, just a little note that this episode contains some colourful language. So if you have little ones around, probably best to listen to this particular episode with headphones in or at another time. Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real life examples and game changing insights, this podcast is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode. This is Jody, and today I am thrilled to be interviewing the author of my current favorite book and the book that every woman who has ever made a mistake should read. And yes, that's all of you. The book is titled The Bad Girl's Guide to Better and the author is the fabulous Casey Beros. Casey is a health journalist and TV presenter who has spent more than 15 years interviewing leading experts on our health and happiness. You may have seen her on Australian TV programs such as ABC's Tonic or Channel 10's Everyday Health or read one of her articles in magazines such as Body and Soul or Mind Food. Her new book takes a very real, honest and hilarious look at the mistakes we've made, how to move past the shame and disappointment of our past and start loving our story. It is the ultimate best friend in a book who is going to help you realize that whatever mess you have made in the past, you can stop feeling bad. Realize that you're not alone because so many of us have made the same crappy mistakes and most importantly, how to accept it all, move on and create the best and most important relationship of all, the one with yourself. She's also a wife, mother of two young girls, the host of the Wealthy podcast and Australia's self-appointed parallel parking champion. Today is going to be so much fun and there's so much to cover. So let's get started by me introducing you to Casey Beros. Casey, welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. What an intro. I sound very <laughs> impressive when you talk about oh, me. <laughs> you are very impressive. And the book is mm. so great. I saw a picture of the book posted on Instagram and I ordered a copy straight away. I knew instantly that I wanted you on, wanted to invite you obviously on the podcast, especially when I saw that there was a chapter called Stop Worrying. Nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. So I just loved it so much. <laughs> It's real, it's straight up, it tackles everything from friendships, bad boyfriends, body image, sex, money, careers, parents, even our relationship with alcohol and it's just so down to earth. Your stories are shockingly honest, which I love Mm -hmm. because it completely allows the reader just to relate and just be okay with our so-called past mistakes. And I just, yeah. I laughed out loud so many times. There was so many, one, oh, the so one bad. line, the one liners are fantastic. I love the Kate, the <laughs> oh, Kate Moss one, the Kate Moss one where you said, she says nothing <laughs> tastes as good as skinny feels, but you disagree. What about cheese? do. <laughs> Cheezels, those bloody little crunchy orange wheels of cracker. Uh, delicious. They are delicious. She was wrong. She was wrong. She's totally wrong. But they're the, <laughs> they're the one-liners that every all throughout the book is just peppered with these little laugh-out-loud moments. 
sometimes oh, I'm so some glad. weaved into some very serious topics and very some very serious stories. So yeah. um, it's great. It's great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career and what you're doing now? Sure. So my background is in journalism and I specialised in health before I'd even finished university. I knew very quickly that that was the only thing that I wanted to write and talk about. And so uh, I I really kind of focused my energies there. I targeted the person that I felt I could learn the most from, which is a guy by the name of Dr. Norman Swan, who has sort of been our hero during the coronavirus pandemic. He is a, he's a doctor. So his background is actually in pediatrics, but he's not a practicing doctor anymore, but rather he's kind of our, Australia is really, really our first medically qualified broadcaster. So he's an incredible broadcaster, but really knows stuff in the medical space. So my sort of, I suppose, thirst for evidence-based information really came from him. I was always very curious as I was growing up. Um, But I think you'll agree, and I'm sure that anybody listening to this will know, we are so flooded with information, largely from people who are not qualified to deliver it. (laughs) And this this book was a real challenge for me because uh, I don't usually insert myself into the story. I usually stay in the background, deliver yeah. the facts, yeah, do the research. Yeah. And I guess to answer your question about, about I guess, who I am and how I operate in, in market, if you will, I really try and think of myself as a bit of a conduit between consumer, so people or patients, yeah. and clinicians. Yeah. Now there are he- a lot of doctors these days that are incredible speakers and they're very media savvy. But 15 years ago when I started in the industry, there were very, very few of them. And so my role has been really to break down what can sometimes be quite dense, very scientific, yes. heavy information and break it down and, and, and digest it Lame and I suppose present it. Yeah, and present it to the to the public in a way that's easy for them to absorb. Yeah, and I think now now that's changed a little bit because, as I said, there are so many incredible communicators out there. But now I think my job is to help the public cut through some of the crap. Yes, and find the messaging that is actually going to move the needle when it comes to not only their health but also their happiness and just more broadly the quality of the lives that they're living so that's how I like to think about it so I guess these days you know I do a little bit of tv I love television uh, I love podcast I do a lot of medical facilitation and I really just kind of focus my energies on still delivering the highest quality health information that I can and life information to the public as, as possible. So yeah. that's that's my mission. Yeah, it's good. And it's because, I mean, there is, as you said, there is so much. I mean, the information is not a not a problem that anyone's finding. It's knowing which information is correct and it is that science base. We want to we want to know that it's the truth backed up by science, not opinions. And it's Yeah, absolutely. the media and the internet and the Instagram and everything is so full of opinions. You just don't know what's what's what. So it's great to have someone, yes, pulling it apart and, and showing us what, what's needed. Yeah, I just think we're really we're really gullible. Yes, oh my and, goodness. And, and for good reason. Yeah. You know, we're so busy and there's so much going on. Yeah. And and I kind of liken uh people trading poor information with each other as like the old school version of two nonnas talking over the back fence. And if one nonna says to the other, oh, my sister Patsy ate only lemons for three weeks and she lost 10 (laughs) kilos, 
<laughs> then nonna number two yeah. is going to go and tell all of her nonna friends yes. that that about this incredible Patsy who only ate lemons. Yeah. And it's the same thing, but it's magnified by by millions yeah. because of the the speed yes. uh, and the access of social media. And that obviously is really concerning, I think, for all of us. Um, and so really I just try to invite people to kind of question what they're hearing or seeing and who they're hearing it or seeing it from. Oh, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's going to be the skill of especially for everyone who has anything to do with internet or anything or anything to do with social media, it's going to be that that's going to be the biggest skill I know speak you know trying to actually educate my my children and you know especially my 13 year old about how to look at information and really work out what's worth listening to and what's just a you know a crocker made up yeah. rubbish. <laughs> it is yeah, going to be a skill for the future. So so what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you? Being a confident woman means to me that that real deep knowing that the universe and the people around you have totally got your back. Yeah. And not only that, but that you have your own back. Yes. And that's what I designed the book to do. Because mm. you know that feeling when you're amongst people that, that love you no matter what. There yep. is no more powerful feeling than that. Yeah. And so if we can extend that to the universe, and look, shitty things happen. They happen every day to good people, to bad people, and everything in between. Yeah. But I do have some sort of faith that the universe is putting me where I'm supposed to be. Don't get me wrong. I know that I play a huge part yep. in that. Yeah. But I like to believe that the universe is working in my favour. Absolutely. Even when, it deal, even when it deals me a shitty hand. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that plus being really selective about the people that we have around us and that we allow, like it's an it's a privilege to have a spot in my life. Yes, good. And it, and mm. it's an equal privilege to give me a spot in yours and that's not something that I take lightly. Yeah. And so I think when you've got those three things working for you, you feel like the universe has your back, you feel like the people around you have your back and that you've got your own. Yeah. That's what I. That's what I think confidence is for me. Absolutely, and that's something you know. The people you surround yourself with, as you say, the feeling they give you can make or break your day, your life. Can make you know if you feel if they make you feel bad about yourself or less than or not good enough. Then that's it's very hard to have your own back, even in those circumstances. You're much better off having people around you that are supportive and encouraging, and you know all the good things. You, Gives you, oh, a, gives you a chance at least. Absolutely. And when, when are you the most confident version of yourself? I'm the most confident version of myself when I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And so to, to use a professional example, when I've, I, I get really nervous, like stupidly nervous. Like I would get nervous if I was just sitting in a room full of new people and we had to go around the circle and say our name and where we're from and why <laughs> yes. we're there, which is hilarious because I work as a facilitator, yeah. as a speaker, like that's my job. Yes. And and I think part of the reason that I sought that out was because I like doing things that make me shit my pants yeah, a little yeah. bit, pardon, <laughs> pardon the term. Yes, no, but it's I good. But I think that that's only good for you, right? Yeah. Like the because every time I do something like go on an audition for a TV program or uh, facilitate in a room full of doctors, all of whom I presume are probably smarter than me, yeah, yeah. Uh, I shit my pants yeah. a little bit less. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Just a little bit less. And you know what? Actually, it was Norman, my my old boss, who taught me. Like once you stop, once you lose the nerves, it means that you don't give a shit anymore. Yes. And I always want to give a shit. So yes. instead, I've kind of learned to harness those nerves and reframe them for myself so that I can so that I can use them because a little bit of nerves is good. Yes. You don't see, you know, elite sports people walk out onto the field or the court super relaxed no, because no. they need that nervous energy oh, to sure. perform at their best. Yeah. So I've tried to really harness it and instead of seeing it as like, oh, my God, I'm going to spew on myself sort of nerves, <laughs> um, try and reframe it as like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to do this. Yeah. How lucky am I yeah. that I get to do this? So yeah. it's a bit of reframing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, such a great technique and it's it's great look it's great that people like yourself that are sort of you know at the in the in that sort of game to on tv do also say and I can shit my pants with nerves <laughs> because you know I talk to so many women who just to speak up in a meeting are going oh my god I can't do it it's something wrong with me it's like no there's nothing wrong with you that's just normal like everyone's trying to push through especially when you're pushing the boundaries of your comfort zone that's expected to feel that sort of fear and that, you know, that nervousness. It's part of the the game that you're playing. So it's yes, great that right. everyone can hear that, you know, no matter what level <laughs> or what you're doing, you're going to get those feelings. It's about managing it or reframing it and being able to push, push through it, isn't it? Yeah, and I think once you lose that, I think you've lost your humility. To be yeah. completely honest, I yeah. think it's I think it's a really normal, natural human yes. thing to feel. Don't get me wrong; I'm sure that it diminishes for people who spend their lives in front of the cameras or uh, on stages or whatever. I'm, I'm sure that it, it must diminish to some point because you simply yeah. couldn't operate feeling that nervous all the time. But I don't know. I just think that I, I agree with you, and and. When I hear my heroes mm. um, and people in my field and people in other, you know, high-performing positions say those things, yeah. I think, oh, thank fuck. Same, exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's so much yeah. camaraderie in yeah. that sort of candor, right? Yeah. So, I, yeah, thank you for saying that because yeah. that's kind of my shtick. It's yes. like here it is, yeah. all of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Now, the very first lesson in your book is about making peace with your past and how we are not our mistakes. You also say that sometimes we judge ourselves too harshly and punish ourselves unfairly. So why do you think it's important to come to terms with our past mistakes and how do we do that? I think it's important because life is too short to carry around emotional baggage. Even if we live to be 100, Life is unfairly short. Like yeah. I'm 37 now and I cannot believe how much of my life I have wasted worrying yes. about what other people think about oh, me and what so-and-so will say if I put that post out or yep. throw my hat in the ring for that promotion or whatever it might be. Like to be really frank, and I'm so sorry if anybody doesn't like swearing, but like <laughs> who gives a fuck? I know, I know. Like, yeah, just whatever. It's, yeah, you know, I talk about this this girl in the book Holly Butcher, and I interviewed her mum. And some people listening to this might might remember she wrote a letter, and she actually only wrote it to her kind of close friends and family um, just before she passed away at the age of seven from Ewing sarcoma. And uh, her boyfriend, boyfriend, and her brother 
day that she died posted it to her Facebook page and it went ballistic, yeah, like yeah. crazy viral because it was just so full of truth and humour and humility and kindness and yeah. just this real no bullshit approach yeah, yeah. to living your life. and. Yeah. I don't know why I've always been really drawn. It sounds quite morbid, but I've always been really drawn to stories like that because I love the reminder. Yes. I'm so mindful of my own, how short a time we get here. Yeah. And I'm terrified of it being cut short for me. Yes. Uh, And I'm terrified that I've wasted so much of it feeling crap about myself. Yes. And that's part of what the book is about. It's, it's, you know, all of those old messages are just so, they're so cliche, but it's so true. Like today, honestly, could be my last day here. Like you just don't know. Yeah. And I try really hard to hold on to those messages and I think everybody listening will be familiar with, you know, you read something like that or you hear something like this and you go, yes, you're so right. I, yeah. You know, I've, I've changed my perspective and within a few hours or, or certainly within a few days, that perspective tends to wear off and we get lost again in the sort of humdrum of everyday life. And I, so I suppose I would caveat all of that with saying life is fucking hard. Yes. Yeah. Like it is really hard. And so knowing that we're only here for a short time doesn't mean that it will always be smiles and rainbows and fairy floss and unicorns. No. I'm not suggesting <laughs> so that I'm not it. suggesting so that that's the case, <laughs> but it is about like stopping trying to live for those kind of champagne moments because they're yeah. so few and far between and trying really hard to be thankful and grateful for the the mundane everyday bits yeah. because there are people who would give everything that they have to have that exactly again. and it's trying to keep abreast of that isn't it because as you're saying you see these stories and you read and you're oh my god I'm so thankful for my life and then you know an hour later you're worrying about what you're putting in your mouth because is it too much sugar or too much diet am I going to put on weight like it's so ridiculous it can go so fleetingly those moments of trying to just enjoy the moment and live in it to then getting caught up in worry and comparing ourselves yeah. and all the other bullshit that goes along. But it's totally. trying to put sort of habits and things in our life that can keep bringing that perspective back. Yeah, I think that's right. And and look, I didn't answer the second part of your question, which is like what do we, what do, we do about it? Yeah. And I guess what I would say is that – Somebody asked me in a television interview the other day, you know, how do we rewrite our past? And the answer is that we can't. Mm. Like what's done is done. It is. But what's done is done. Mm. It's like it's over. It's finished. And, you know, I used to run really fast away from who I used to be. I didn't like that person. I I made decisions and mistakes when I was not my best self, that my, that my modern day self really had to clean up my old self's mess. And that felt really crappy. You know, I didn't want to coexist with that person. And, and so I think we need to get really comfortable with the fact that you need to bring all of your old selves with you. Yeah. The ones who perhaps didn't do things right yeah. by you or by people that you love or, or whatever. And so Getting really comfortable with that, I think, is 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 the first thing. Yeah. You know, there's this incredible research on secrets out of um, Columbia University in the states that that uh, showed that 97% of us are carrying one big secret at any given time, and in fact, each of us will be carrying 13 secrets around with us on average, five of which we'll have never told anyone. Wow. And 
the bit that's dangerous about that is not the act of, of whatever you did in the first place yeah. or having concealed it, but actually how frequently your mind dips back to think about it. Yeah. And anybody listening to this will rem- will have something like that, that, that pops up for them frequently for no reason yeah. when they're just driving home from work yeah. or when they're sitting in a, in <laughs> yeah. a meeting or yes. randomly it's like where the hell did that come from yeah and I think it's because like when you've got something valuable on your person so let's say you're traveling remember those days um yes. and you've got money <laughs> in a money bag on you or if you've ever proposed to someone and you've got an engagement ring on you or anything yeah. like that even when you get out like you know a, a a heap of cash from the ATM for something and you got it on you for a little while that, you know, and you just feel that kind of sense of, I don't know, you just feel extra vigilant or something about the world around you because you're carrying something valuable. Valuable, yeah. Well, secrets, secrets are the same and they kind of burn a hole in our pocket until we can get rid of them. And sometimes we don't, sometimes we carry them around for our entire lives, feeling awful about them. And so I think firstly, recognizing that everybody has secrets and everybody carries around shame, you know, your mum, my mum, Oprah, your boss, my boss, literally every (laughs) single person, you know, is carrying around. And it could be something silly, like, I don't know, once you pilfered some toilet paper from work or once you drove your car after you'd had three mojitos and you feel terrible about that or whatever. Yes. Or it could be something, something much bigger than that. You were unfaithful to your partner or you had something that you really needed to say to someone and you didn't say it. And then it was too late. Whatever it is, we all carry stuff like that around. So I think really embracing the fact that you're, you know, welcome to the world's least exclusive club. Literally everyone, you know, is in here. Um, I think that there's some comfort in that. And then I think remembering that, that there are a couple probably of, of really key things that I think people should remember. <clears throat> One is that you need to separate what you've done from who you are. They are two completely different things. Yeah. They are not the same. So really being able to separate them I think is important. And then I have this saying, that which is chuck it in the fuck it bucket and move <laughs> on. I love it. I remember reading that. That was another laugh out loud moment. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. Because it's easy to remember, right? Yeah, it's to to be the sign on on your, basically, your your bathroom mirror probably. Every time you wake up, you need to say it. Totally. (laughs) Totally. And and you know what? I'm oversimplifying things, particularly if these are big things that we've been carrying around for a long time. But it's almost like you've been flexing this muscle of feeling shitty about yourself or feeling like ashamed of that thing that you did probably for quite a long time yeah it's unlikely to be something that happened last week it's probably something that happened a year ago or 10 years ago and so I think remembering that if you've gone to the gym every day and only done bicep curls on the right your but your bicep on the right is going to be looking significantly larger than your bicep on the left which has just been hanging limply by your side (laughs) yes so you need to flex the other muscle and it's going to take some time yeah you know if you've been feeling crappy about yourself or beating yourself up for that thing that you did 10 years ago for a decade it's going to take you a little while to get good at being a bit kinder to yourself about it so i would say be patient you need to Give yourself, give yourself a wide berth. It, this is not a click your fingers overnight solution situation. No, no, exactly. And I love in the, you know, stop worrying, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing chapter. You say mm. about, look, it's just 
that overwhelmingly it's all about we're all in the same boat trying to operate a navigation system that's seemingly in another language and upside down. And we talk to clients all the time about how everyone is really just winging it to some point. Like, you know, what we see of other people is not always and probably very often not the truth. Yet we are still comparing ourselves to this idea that everyone else has it all together so how do we stop worrying or stop comparing ourselves and realise that we're probably doing okay in the scheme of things? So I've got a couple of things to say to that. One is you can't stop worrying. Mm. That's what your brain is designed, designed to, to do. do. Yeah. yeah. So um, that it's, it's almost futile to yeah. worry about worrying. <laughs> um, but I do <laughs> yes. definitely think that there are a couple of tricks that can make living with worry a little easier. And one of those is accepting that the uncertainties of life are the same for all of us. Yeah. So you have no idea whether when you walk out of your house this morning, you're guaranteed to return that night. Mm. It's likely probable in fact mm. but you just don't know 100 no. in in the same way that you don't know if your boss is, has set that meeting with you for tomorrow because they want to thank you yes. promote you or <laughs> let you go yes you have no idea <laughs> there are likely outcomes but if you ask anyone who has been blindsided by anything ever yeah. Yeah. they will tell you oh my god i never I no ever idea. saw that coming yeah, yeah exactly yeah so I think that's really important. The other thing that I talk about is, is, and I just tried to come up with something that was kind of easy for people to remember, and that is the four A's of anxiety or worry. And anxiety and worry, those terms we kind of use interchangeably. Um, and really, I guess anxiety is really just worry on crack, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so the four A's of anxiety, and I only said anxiety really because I like the alliteration of yeah. the A's and the anxiety, <laughs> and that makes it easy to remember. But the four A's of anxiety or worry are this. The first one is awareness. Yeah. So being aware of the fact, I think we can only do with some, we can only do something with what we're aware of in the first place. So being aware of the sweaty palms that you might get or that kind of gurgly tummy or that kind of nervous down the rabbit hole feeling that you might feel when a worry is sort of starting to carry you away. I think our body tends to give us clues before our mind cottons on Absolutely. to what's going on. Yeah. The second one is acceptance. And so as we just said, your brain is designed to worry. Its job is to hunt threat to make sure that you are safe. So accept that your brain is simply doing its job and not giving yourself too hard a time for it. Yeah. The third is ask. So mm. ask yourself, do I, should I rather be worried about this? Is mm. there any point in me worrying about this? Mm. So to give you an example, if you're worried about the fact that you haven't, that your mammogram is overdue, that's a good thing to worry about. Yes, absolutely. Because you can do something about that yeah. and that worry might trigger action, should trigger action mm. to make you pick up the phone, call the surgery, make the appointment, yeah. whatever it is. If you're worried about your plane falling out of the sky, yes. when we get to go on them again. I know. It's, <laughs> it's looking further and further away at this point, but nevertheless. <laughs> it is. It is. But I'm holding out hope. I it am too. I am too. <laughs> that is completely futile yeah. because there is no amount of worry that your little brain can do that is going to change the outcome of that. It will or it won't. Yeah. It's highly likely that it won't, 
but so it's really about, I, I guess, thinking about the things that are within your control and yeah. out of it because yeah. you could spend your whole life worrying about things oh, that are outside of, such your, of your control of and time. they never, ever happen. No. And do you know what? I'll, I'll caveat that all of that by saying I wish I could sit here and tell you that I don't worry about things outside of my control. Mm. I, I am absolutely human. That happens yeah. to me almost on a daily basis. Yeah. What I am getting better at, and again, that's my brain's job. It's yes. doing its job and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. What I am better at doing is simply asking myself that question. Yes. Should I worry about this? Is there any point in me worrying about this? And if the answer is no, then like Give it up. scratch it off your yeah. list and, <laughs> and move to something that is, is within your control. Absolutely. And then the last one is alternative. And this is probably my favorite. We often tread the same path, even if it's just in our heads, purely because that's what we've always done. So I am an excessive worry wart. I'll, I'll worry until the cows come home. Yeah. I'll worry about the cows <laughs> coming home. And even when they do come home, I'll still worry yes. that they're not home enough home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so giving yourself an alternative means, okay, so this is what I would usually do. How about I do something different? And so the example that I give in the book is perhaps you could try allocating a designated worry time. So let's say that you would usually sit here and worry, 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 worry until you could worry no more until you've made yourself ill with yeah. the worry. Yeah. Instead, you could say, you know what? I'm at work. It's a really busy day. I'm about to step into this really important meeting. Instead of worrying about that now, I'm going to set myself 15 minutes on my lunch break today to worry about this then. Yes. Or tonight on my walk or yeah. I'll worry about it tomorrow because tomorrow's Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Just park it for a second yeah. because it's usually not it's usually not a timely worry as yeah. in oh, I'm worried yes. I'm worried about let's say that you're going let's say that it's a real worry for example you have had some symptoms you've gone and had some tests you've got your follow-up appointment with the doctor tonight that's a real that's a really yeah. normal thing to worry about but perhaps rather than worrying for 48 hours in the lead up yes perhaps you can set yourself a worry time to worry about that from 5 p.m. till 5:30 p.m. this afternoon yeah. when you go yeah. on your walk <laughs> yes. now i'm not suggesting that your that your brain is going to go oh okay cool i've worried about that now particularly when it's a big thing like yeah. that or worried about the well-being of a family member or or one they're really genuine concerns yeah. yeah so what will happen is your brain will go no 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 i'm still worried about that and you'll go okay cool no problem i hear you now is a fine time let's do 10 more minutes of yeah. worry i'm going to yeah. set a timer or nope still not a great time i'll, I'll set another worry time for yeah. tonight but it's about not letting it consume you 24 7 oh, it's like exactly. your brain and I interviewed this incredible Oxford educated neuroscientist Dr Sarah McKay who I love she wrote an incredible book called the, uh, the women's brain book and what she says is that it's kind of like a, it's almost like a scene that your mind is playing in your head over and over again. And once your brain has done that enough times, it just starts doing it on its own because yes. it feels familiar. Yeah. And by that, that becomes a really sorry state of affairs by the time you get to that stage because your brain's doing it without you even telling it to. Yes. And then you kind of can't separate yourself and your reality from the worry, mm. which I think 
you know, we all know is yeah. is is awful. So that anyway, it took a very long time to answer your question. That's, a, that, that's, that's what I would say. No, they're great points, and it is. You can just get so caught down. I sometimes say to clients, you're going down a, a rabbit hole, and there's no light at the end of this tunnel. Like you're just going worse and worse into the into the black hole of of doom. You've got to try and totally. turn that around and and pull yourself back out for whatever tricks, Agree. tips and tricks work for you. But find something that works. Like give give some stuff a go, so that you I don't agree. live in that place all the time because it's just exhausting. Totally. Exhausting. The only other thing that I would say, actually, because um, you did also ask me about comparison, and I was thinking mm. about that for you this morning. And what I would say to that is. Look, I I am no stranger to this. I think we all do that. Your 13-year-old daughter does it. I do it yeah. at 37. I think yeah. we all do a bit of that. But yeah. I was thinking about it this morning. And, and what it's kind of like is it's like buying a house and there are two houses that you've got. One you've done complete due diligence on. Mm. You've been to see it a number of times. You've had lengthy conversations with the agent. You've have you've had every single inspection and test. <laughs> you've done your market Report, research. Yes. You know that house inside and out. It's like comparing that to a house that you have never seen. Yeah. But you've seen the ad. Yes. <laughs> so you've seen the pictures that a fancy photographer took with great lighting yes. and somebody had come in and styled it. Yeah. And, and and a wordsmith has written these incredible words mm. that, that have outlined exactly what they want you to know mm. about that house. Yeah. And you're trying to make a decision between this house that you have absolutely done your due diligence on and yeah. you know inside and out and this house that you have never seen. Yeah. It's impossible, it's impossible to compare. Yeah, yeah. Although we try to, we still try of to. Course. It's ridiculous, but that's a great. Yeah, that's a of great course. analogy to to remind us to go. You just not. You don't have all the facts here. You don't. That's right. It's that's right. And so to know work. that you're doing okay, I say take a look around you. Yeah. Like anybody who's listening to this, I would hazard a guess that they are probably living in Australia mm. uh, or in a very developed country. Yes. They have enough food probably to put food on the table. They have the wherewithal to listen to this. Yeah. They're doing okay. You're doing okay. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You absolutely Stop are. Stop worrying. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, that, exactly. That chapter also goes into – Worrying, oh, so, it's so funny. God, I was laughing out loud. But like there's a, there's a section you've got stupid shit to stop worrying about, which is having a thigh gap. I mean, who the hell? There's only a very small portion of the world that has that. I don't know why that's a thing. Whose fault is it and why we didn't grow up and marry Ryan Reynolds? But one of the other ones was how to stop worrying what other people think. What tricks do you use to stop worrying about other people's opinions? Okay, so I use two. One is remembering that we are pack animals. So we (laughs) are designed for connection. We have a biological need to be liked. So don't beat yourself up for that. That's really normal. And that's not really something that we can turn off. So again, for me, this one comes back to control. The honest truth is that you don't have much control over what other people think about you. Sure, it's you can be nice. It's great to be liked. You is try and do the right thing by people but the honest truth is that what people think about you is much 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 more about them than it is about you yeah so sure be kind to people yada 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 do all the right things 
Uh, I'm huge on kindness, but like, yeah. but please know that while the world is big and our and our connections feel, if you can even call them that, feel greater and bigger than ever before because of how many people we follow and who follow oh, us yeah. and are on our email list, and we fit, we have all these people in our lives. But honestly, the number of people whose opinions of you matter should be very, very small. So small. Write a yeah. list. Yeah. Keep it on your phone yeah. if you need to. <laughs> And then when you start worrying about what, you know, dickface77 said about you on Twitter, go back to your list. I and just, Shelley Horton, the beautiful Shelley Horton, oh, um, who who's we, an incredible television we presenter, interviewed last she taught year. me that one. Yes. Yeah, she was so great. Gorgeous. Oh, my God, we she laughed so much She gets so heavily and oh. she she was the one who, who said that to me, so yeah. full credit to her. Yeah. Oh, she was so good. She oh, We laughed so much on that episode. <laughs> I came off with sore cheeks with the recording. She was so much fun. But, yeah. It's, she's great, she's isn't she? Just, and she just keeps going no matter what – yeah, bloody dickface77 on Twitter says. <laughs> um, Actually, she, she said to me, fuckface69, yeah. but don't you like the way I reinvented that? <laughs> I do. I love that. Claim that so bitch. Original. Yeah, you got to have your own. you got to have your own. Oh, my goodness. Now, we say, you say, then we look at it, we go to an in-depth look at friendships and explain, oh, my God, I laugh so much about this because it's so true how we've all been mm-hmm. duped by the Sex and the City characters who sold us that impossible oh, totally. dream that we'd all be mm-hmm. BFFs forever and have eternal friendships and all this BS. So you mm-hmm. say the quality of your friendships is the biggest determinant of your happiness. Well, why is the quality of our friendships so important and what makes for a good one? So I won't bore you with the details of this, but there's this incredible study out of Harvard, which has been going for about 80 years. It's called the Grant and Gluck. I always say Gluck, but I don't even know if that's how you say it, study. <laughs> and that what they've looked at is, is hundreds and hundreds of people, largely families that started back in like 1938 or something. Um, And they're still following the ones that are alive now, as well as some of their families. And what that's given us is a really long-term look at what contributes to people's happiness. So they've looked at what sort of families they had, what sort of jobs they had, how much money they earned, what's happened in terms of their health. And all of that data has boiled down to this. Over fame or money, the one thing that is indicative of better happiness or greater happiness is the quality of your relationships. So not the quantity of them, the depth and the quality of them. And what that really means, and this is my interpretation of it, is being able to be 100% yourself with those people. Now, they might be people in your family or your friendship group or even people in your community, but just having a small number of people who love you unconditionally and absolutely have your back is is vital for for not only our happiness, but also our longevity and and our physical health. And I would add a couple of things to that. I look at friendship like a bank. You both make withdrawals. You both need to make deposits so that there's something in there to take out in the first place. You might even occasionally take a loan out from one another. But if that other person isn't making any deposits and they're forever only making withdrawals, then you need to find yourself a better bank. Yes, yes. Because there won't be anything left. It has to work both ways. I think you're always both operating from a baseline of respect. And I think the ultimate, ultimate test is how do you feel when you leave them? If you feel good when you leave them, Really yeah. good. No matter whether you had a you know a yeah. mundane catch up or or a fun good or or even if they were helping you through a hard time, if they make you feel better, better yeah, 
that's a keeper. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right, it's just it's gotta be a two way street. It's got to be yes, give and take and, and yeah, both getting something out of it, not you continually propping someone up or supporting, you know, there's times for that, but not not yeah. that long-term continuous. You need some, to be getting something back. And no, yeah, as you Agreed. say, no, that they just accept you for who you are. All the That's secrets fine. and the, the bad stuff and the good stuff, they just you can just be whoever you are and not have to worry about hiding Agreed. certain areas of yourself, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Now, the last question I've got for you is around, you talk about being your own BFF. What things Mm. do you do that you know benefits keeping your self-esteem and confidence levels high? I remind myself of this and this, and that is that my value is not tied to someone else's ability to value me. Great. Not my boss, not my relationship. Yeah. Not my job, not my social media following, yes. not the size of my pants, not yeah. how much money I have in the bank, that my value is so much more than that. Yeah. My value is my kindness and my spirit. And that makes me sound really woo-woo and I, I am no, not like that does, at no, all. No, it's not. It's, but yeah. I'm so much more than all of those things. Yeah. It's, it's not about how many friends I have. You know, my, my relationships are really important to me. I work really hard on them. Yeah. But honestly, the older I get, I'm way, way more cutthroat. I'm like, no, nah, not yeah. interested. Yeah. Sorry. So- <laughs> I just, I don't have time and energy to give you yes. yeah. if you're not able to give me the same in return. And yeah. so I just, I, I am my own, we can all be our own biggest critic and, yeah. but we can also get to be our own biggest champion. Yeah. And that's a role that we all get to start playing for ourselves today, yeah. right now. That's Absolutely. A, an actionable step. Like, yeah. you know, and I think whenever you're making decisions or when, like thinking to yourself, like, okay, what would my best friend say? Mm. Would they say that I should go into that, that lunch with those girls that yeah. don't make me feel great yeah. about myself? Or would yeah. they say, fuck that, let's yeah. stay home and eat Tim Tams? Yeah, yeah. Cheezels, darling. You know, Cheezels. So really, yeah, Cheezels. Oh, God, I love a Cheezel. I know, I know. They're the best things on it. <laughs> they really are. The other thing that I say to myself all the time, and, I, and I'll leave you with this, is someone has to win, so it might as well be you. And yes. that's, the, that's the title of one of my chapters. It's yeah. like, why the fuck shouldn't it be it, you? Absolutely. Why not? Yeah, you deserve everything. You're here just lap it up and enjoy the life and yeah you deserve it as much as anybody else totally i love Agreed. it all right okay we're gonna do our rise final power questions that we ask every uh every guest and then i usually mm-hmm. do a compilation at the end of the year with all of them which is just really fun to oh cool so what do you wish every woman knew Oh, I wish, at risk of repeating myself, I wish every woman knew that their value was not tied to someone else's ability to value them. Oh, my God. Could you imagine what the world would be like if that was the case? I mean. Yeah, I can. What is your superpower, Casey? Empathy. Oh, that's a good one. I love Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Heels or flats? We're all about the shoes here. Oh, you're a flats too? You're a flats girl? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Your favourite quote or rule that you live by? Again, at risk of repeating myself, it would be someone (laughs) has to win, so it might as well be you. I love it. That's what I tell myself every day. Yeah, no, it's a good (laughs) one. It's a good one. Who inspires (laughs) you and why? Look, to be honest, it's everyday ordinary people battling Mm, it out yeah yeah 
I love there's a lot the, of you know, in the, at the moment, I isn't lo- it? Yeah, it is. You know what? People are going through the most horrific things yeah. and, you know, people are walking around with this emotional scar tissue. They go through things that, that would feel completely insurmountable yeah, to you yeah, or I, yeah, in the yeah. same way that you and I have been through things yeah. that to other people would feel completely insurmountable. So, yeah. you know, I I love people's stories and I think we're all superheroes so everyday people I would say yeah and there is so much uncertainty at the like that it's just uncertainty uncertainty for people's jobs uncertainty if you're in lockdown or not in lockdown that's what's really challenging people at the moment because our brains do not like uncertainty (laughs) as you've been mentioning so they do not um, it's uh, yeah open wound for a lot of people okay last one finish this sentence if I had even more confidence than I do now I would not take no for an answer oh that I'm is pretty good, good at putting one. myself out there but once somebody says no I'm like okay thanks so okay. sorry for waste of time <laughs> <laughs> backing backing away you'd carefully be, out yeah, of the yeah. room. You'd be onto it. Whereas oh, that's a good the one. The older I, I get been, yeah. The older I get, the more I'm trying to be like, no, do you know what? I I am the right person yes. for this job or this opportunity. And, I, and you need if, to look if again. If you don't agree, yeah, look again. Yeah. And if you still disagree with me, then then no problem. But let yeah. me show you what I can do. Yeah. Oh, I love it. We haven't had that one before. That's a very unique one. I love it. That's a good one. Oh, good. Well, you finish the book by saying your hope is that every reader can take confidence and permission to be 100% themselves while we learn the most Mm. important lesson of them all, that we are not our mistakes, we are not the things that we've done or our failures, that the world needs our imperfect, perfect glory and that we are heroes for showing up every day, wanting more. And at the end of our life, we will give zero fucks at how many followers we had on the gram. Well, I want you to know, Casey, that as a reader, this is exactly what I got from your book. And I really want to thank Aww. you for being 100% yourself in print, no less, because it is <laughs> the courage of people like you that bear all your mistakes, your wins, your failures, your fuck-ups, your fears and your perspective that really allow the rest of us to shrug off the shame, remember that no one knows what the fuck they're doing and in the scheme yeah. of things, we're all probably doing okay. And I really do want to thank yes. you for taking the time to be with us today and sharing your insights on our podcast. So appreciate oh, your time. My. My absolute pleasure. It was so nice to talk to you, Jody. Anytime. Awesome. Anytime. Well, now for your next book, there's all. Have you had that yet? Every time I write, when I write <laughs> a book, every every book person, every person, every book person, every author I've ever spoken to said, "Oh my god, people are already asking me when the next book is." <laughs> it's like I, I don't know, know why that's a thing. So maybe for your next book, we'll, we'll Watch have this you space. on. Watch this space. <laughs> and thank you to everyone for listening today. And remember, there are so many ways that we can help you become the confident woman you've always wanted to be. So please get in touch with us at risewomen.com. We want to ensure that confidence is every woman's new normal. And we do that by getting our programs and resources out to as many women as possible. So until next time, remember with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now. Bye.